They will buy based on how they feel about the property. They feel about the area. And we can't purchase based off our feelings. We have to make purchases based off of numbers. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And... He is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free and then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today, Jack Petrick. How you doing, Jack? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on the show and a little bit about Jack. He is a licensed real estate agent and full-time real estate investor for over 15 years. He currently has 32 buy and hold properties. He's in the process of transitioning into commercial multifamily deals He started building new homes, rehabbing and flipping them. Additionally, he is a fire medic at Strongsville Fire Department. You want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Yeah, absolutely. About 15 years ago, I started off going a couple different directions. I had an interest in being a firefighter paramedic, so I went to school and got through with that at about 22 years old. I also had an interest in real estate, so I kind of kicked off both at the same time. I started off as a general contractor building custom homes. Nobody in my family had this background or necessarily the interest. I just basically went on Amazon and I purchased every book imaginable. I went on like owner builder forum and I just kind of plowed myself into it and pretty much spent the next year going to every single model home, Prado homes and going to every construction site possible. And by doing that, I would just pick up phone numbers from various subcontractors. So I did that for a number of years until the housing market kind of wiped out. At about 2006, that's when I first picked up my first buy and hold property. Didn't really have any interest in rentals. I just heard all the free advice from friends and family. And 
I've come to learn that free advice is sometimes the most expensive advice. And just talking about the four stories, <laughs> the tenants, the six-month evictions, and just everybody trying to play down to this area when, in fact, they've never experienced it before. So start off, did my first deal. It was a duplex. And from there, I just did about seven houses, took a break, did a lot of remodeling and things during that time. And then the housing market near me, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, and the housing market in a couple suburbs completely wiped out. I've been picking up houses for like $5,000. The cap rates are insane. So having that background, I go into these houses, we completely rebuild them and run them out. And I am making like 25, sometimes 30% cap rates on the returns on these properties. So that's kind of how I got into where I'm at right now. Well, you have piqued my curiosity about these homes that you're buying. $5,000, some of them, I know perhaps not all. Well, first off, before we get into a specific example, what are the acquisition prices low to high that you've done? In my market, I've got a really unique market, but I like to have an all-in number between thirty-five to 40000 That's purchase and renovations. And there was a period where I was able to pick houses off of the HUD home store for like twenty-five, maybe $30,000. And these houses were completely rehabbed. And prior to the mortgage meltdown, these houses were selling for $120,000, 130000 so we're talking like completely new on the exterior, interior, new garages, new driveways. But that only lasted for a short amount of time. So the HUD home store, it's definitely still an option for picking properties up, but the deals aren't quite as aggressive. Mm-hmm. There's still some stuff on Normals, which is our real estate listing service. There's a lot of deals off market, but I've been picking up a lot of deals off of the county land bank. And there's actually a website, I'd have to look it up, I don't remember right now, but there is a general land bank website that will locate every land bank throughout the entire country. And these are properties that I've been able to pick up very inexpensively. They're completely wiped out, but as long as you hold to the specifications and you rebuild them, it provides years of passive cash flow without the capital expenditures that you would normally have to do on a typical property you would buy. Now, educate me on the land bank when what you just said as far as years of passive income from what you typically buy. When I hear land bank, I'm thinking it's just vacant land. Is that not right? No, that's not correct. So basically, the land bank is a government nonprofit entity that they receive federal funding. So as there's properties that are bank-owned, they're distressed, they can't sell them, they can't turn them over for whatever reason, these are properties that are then donated to the land bank. So say like, I'm going to just say bank XYZ has a property, they can't sell it. They will donate that property to the land bank, but they're on the hook in the event of that property does not sell, they would have to participate towards the demolition cost of that property. Mm. So during that time, the land bank will go in the house, they'll clear it out, they'll gut it out, and they'll build a specification sheet of everything that that house needs, all the renovations. So generally, I'll go through the house, I'll take a look at the renovation spec sheet, and 90% 90% of the time, they're straight on point for all the renovations they want. There's sometimes they want like the whole house to be rewired and that's not necessary. So knowing this now, I'll scratch off a few things off the list to kind of get my rehab price down. And uh, we'll go in there and do a full rehab top to bottom. Most people, when I find when they're looking at picking up an investment property, they don't actually take a look at simple numbers like return on investment or 
what's the cap rate that that property is going to produce? Just a couple simple calculations. Most people won't run those numbers and they will buy based on how they feel about the property. They feel about the area and we can't purchase based off our feelings. We have to make purchases based off of numbers. So going back to the land bank, you find the properties through your county land bank, which the county meaning the county that you're in or that's close by. You find the property through your county land bank and what's the process look like? So let's say you're online, you find the property looks good. Now what do you do if you want to buy it? So most land banks, they have an application period for you to submit your information and it takes one to two weeks to get approved. Once upon being approved, you can just go off the website and you can email the main coordinating party for the houses you want to see. And generally, they will have an inspector meet you at the property. There will be a renovation pack that you will have and you go through and you'll agree or disagree with the specs of work that you're going to perform. And then, like I said, I'm able to negotiate to some extent some of those larger ticket items to bring my acquisition price into a target range that I'm trying to achieve. So once I have that done, I'll submit the bid on the property. Recently, there was one house they were asking $45,000 for, and just, the numbers didn't justify, and I offered 6000 on a house, and we picked up for six. So once I actually have the property in my possession, it's a deed and escrow program. So the title company holds my purchase funds check, and they will also hold the deed of that property. And once the house is went through a four-month renovation and the house is completely rehabbed and all inspections are passed, at that point, it will allow the money to transfer and the deed to then transfer to me. Simple as that, huh? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Once the deed transfers to you, you've now got a property. Do you then go post on Craigslist and try and get a tenant or do you have a different approach? Great question. A variety of options. For a while, I had my property manager putting ads out on Zillow, Trulia, Craigslist. For a period a while ago, we were also running to some CMHA Section 8 tenants. But our market in this area, it's improved to a point where I'm able to receive significantly higher cash offers than I can with a subsidized voucher. So I just recently hired a gentleman to come in and lease out the properties like a leasing agent. And he's been able to push some extremely high rent values. Like for example, CMHA for a period of time, they were getting us anywhere from $770 to $850 for a three-bedroom, one-bath property. And this leasing agent's been able to get us to the point of almost $1,100 for this fully rehab property. What's CMHA? CMHA is our local Section 8 in the Cleveland, Ohio market. And it's just called CMHA, which is just short for basically the HUD Section 8 program in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. You hired a leasing agent to lease out your rentals. That's correct. For a while, I was resisting against that because a lot of them will charge one month's rent to lease a property out. And I thought that I could save money by having it done in-house. But there's a term that's taught to me a while ago that a lot of times people bend over to pick up nickels while dollars go overhead. Mm -hmm. That was so true. That full month's rent for a leasing fee is worth every penny if you can find a reliable and efficient and aggressive leasing agent. They're worth huh. every dollar. So I'm guessing that you don't have a third-party management company managing your rentals, but instead you have an individual property manager managing your rentals? 
Yes, that is correct. Yeah, I, okay. I have that service in-house, but the leasing side of it, we're able to get much higher rent offers and faster turnovers utilizing a third-party service. Okay. How'd you find the third-party service? Just with networking, just finding other investors in my area that do deals and just asking to take them out to lunch and just talking to them. And it's amazing the wealth of knowledge that other investors have. And I've just really been blessed by how open other investors have been to actually sit down and meet with somebody like myself. Meaning the gentleman that I met with, Paul, he has a thousand units. I have 32. So I'm, I'm pretty small in comparison to his achievements. But I think a lot of times guys that have a lot of success will take the time to meet the people that are up and coming because they never know when somebody like myself will bring a bigger deal to them to partner up on. Yeah, it's interesting. That's a different approach where you have your own property manager for your properties and then you contract out a third-party company to do the leasing and you pay the first month's rent to the leasing agent? Yes, that's correct. And they take care of the lease and they'll lock us in anywhere from a 12 to 20-month lease. And it's just a little bit of a different strategy. Starting off, I never had a mentor, so I did everything wrong when I started, and I initially took on all those headaches on myself, and a lot of other individuals do, but it burns a lot of people out, and money really isn't made managing the property, the tenants, the phone calls. It's finding capital, doing deals, and focusing your time and effort on that. You said 12 or 20 months. Why 20 months? I misspoke. I meant 12 or 24 months. My okay. okay. Cool. I was wondering if there was a method to your madness there. <laughs> On the note of finding capital for your deals, your all-in price on average is thirty to forty thousand. You've got thirty-two of them. That's nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars valuation. How'd you buy these places? I started off in the beginning, like most people do, where they'll have equity in their private home and they'll just pull an equity line out. So that's kind of like the starting point for most new investors. Once you get a few properties that are then paid off free and clear, you can pull equity lines against those. So you can do that for a period of time. And the benefit to going that route is just your rates are low, your costs are low. Generally, you're just paying a couple hundred dollar application fee with your local bank. And then as you get larger, you have to start expanding into private investors. The reason being, most local banks will only allow you to do so many buy and hold single family properties until you reach that cap. And then you have to start looking at private lending, hard money lending, and also portfolio lenders too. And portfolio lenders are those private banks and credit unions locally, right? That's one option. And there's also Lima One Capital. I just closed a deal with them. They're actually, I believe, funded by a hedge fund where they will take a group of properties, appraise them, and then put them into like a blanket mortgage. So, mm-hmm. that, so a lot of times you have to do some creative financing to get a package of houses worth three hundred fifty to 500000 And then at that point, turn that into a larger refine or blanket mortgage. And Lima has been a sponsor on the podcast. And for anyone who wants to talk to someone at Lima, you can email Courtney, C-O-R-T-N-E-Y at Lima1Capital.com. And he'll talk to you about some of these programs. Because I had a guest on the show a while ago, and they talked about how they worked with Lima and did some wonderful things. And so I was like, well, I'm going to reach out to them. And they ended up being a sponsor. Let's talk about your 
hard money or your private lenders. How do you structure that with those individuals since you're doing buy and hold properties? Great question. On hard money lenders, the terms are pretty similar if I'm flipping a property or if I'm holding it for a buy and hold until I can eventually work myself into a position to refi. But the hard money lenders in my area are around 15%. I have one hard money lender that does not charge points. I've got another hard money lender that does. So that's pretty aggressive funding and it works for a short-term solution. On the private lending side, I've been able to contact a number of family and friends that have money in a 401k and it's not really doing anything. It's barely keeping up with inflation. And most people, once they get into their 50s and especially 60s, they just have to be very conservative to protect that principal, but yet they want to be able to grow interest and protect their yield. So what I will do is I will structure a note with that private lender and I will provide a 10% annual interest rate and I will pay principal and interest over a five-year period. So we'll sign the note that will turn into a mortgage to secure the note against the property. We will file that with the local county so we secure that investment with that investor. So it's a very safe way for the investor. And the other thing that I do personally, once I have my properties completely renovated, they have an after-repair value of anywhere from sixty dollars to $70,000, but I'm only pulling $35,000 of equity out of it in that loan to protect them to leave plenty of equity into the deal. Did I hear you right? You're doing a five-year period with those private lenders? Yes, that is correct. Five years. What happens after year five? After year five alone and the total interest, everything has been paid back during that time. So we just basically use like a mortgage calculator and it will determine what the payment will be to pay during a 60-month period with principal and interest. Mm, So they get 10% interest rate over five years and after five years, you have it all paid off. And how do those numbers look on a property? I guess the more direct question is, does a property stand on its own two feet to pay all that? Or do you have some of your 32 properties pay off that one property? Only about half of my properties are leveraged right now. So I leave plenty of cash flow just for evictions and for just when life doesn't go as planned. But it's almost like a one to two ratio. So for example, I've got a house right now that's completely paid off free and clear and that's cash flowing. My gross rent right now is like 1050 a month. So I will secure a private loan against that property. And then by the time you factor in my income versus expenses, I'm pretty much at a wash at that property. But I now have secured $35,000 of capital, which will allow me to purchase and renovate my second house. So now in this example, I'm now making $1,000 a month again. I'll make $1,000 a month as gross income on two properties, but at the end of five years, that obviously number will double then to $2,000 a month plus rent increases. So it's like a two to one ratio is how it works out. How'd you come up with the idea of doing the five-year period, 10% interest, and then paying it off over that period of time with the help of some other properties? Just kind of creative financing because I have a lot of options to finance flipping funds. And when you structure a flip, generally you're paying interest only payments up until the 12th month where then you're returning all the capital back. And because these are buy and hold properties, I just had to get creative on a scenario because there's not many options in this field for 
expanding in single family rental properties. There's not a lot of funding options. So it's just kind of just being creative, I guess. Yeah, that's really interesting. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Wow. Best advice ever. I think I mentioned this early, but I just, free advice is expensive advice. And there's a lot of people that have opinions on what we do. And I would just really vet out the experience of those people that are providing that advice because there's just a lot of naysayers that don't have necessarily the experience to be able to affordably be able to provide an input or opinion in your life if this is what you want to do. This isn't easy if it were everybody would do it. But once you figure out the systems, the processes, the procedures, this is the best career that you could possibly do in my experience. We've done quite a few things, other businesses and it's really provided the unlimited amount of cash flow, depending on how large you want to grow your business, but also the quality and the time freedom that you generally cannot get as a physician, attorney, sales rep, or any other high six, seven figure producing positions. I like the line, free advice is often the most expensive advice. And it's certainly not one that I will repeat too often because my podcast is called The Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever. But I do agree with that because the advice from someone can be very good advice for you or can be very bad advice for you depending on what stage of the process you're in. So you can get the same advice, but it can be either good or bad depending on where you're at in your business cycle. And additionally... Some of the worst advice I've gotten is from family members, people who know me. I don't know about know me the best, but should know me the best, but maybe not. And it's important, as you said, to get advice from people who have been there and done what you're currently doing and are currently doing that. Because when we get advice from people who are close to us and who love us dearly, on stuff that they're not doing or haven't done, then it certainly falls into the category of free advice is expensive advice because it might be the worst advice you've gotten. And I've experienced that. And fortunately, I didn't take some of the advice that I got from those who are closest to me. And that's how I got to where I'm at. But I took advice from them on other things and it helped out. It is important. So we've got to pay attention to who's giving that advice and, and if they're doing what we're doing. I want to touch really quickly on these properties that are thirty to $40,000 all in. You don't manage them. You have a property manager manage them. But the main stigma about properties at this low of a price point is the quality of tenants. And you get a lot of turnover. You get a lot of maintenance issues that come up. What have you experienced? Great question. In the market that I'm in, we have a couple different types of properties. We have properties that are built in 19, 10, 20, 30, and we have properties that are built in the 40s and 50s. And I own both of them. But today, I will only buy properties that are built in the 40s and 50s because there's just 30 to 40 years of less neglect in those properties. So the properties that are built newer, we're dealing with drywall instead of plaster and lath. The cast iron stacks are in better shape. The foundation walls have less stress to them. The properties are just overall smaller to rehab and renovate. That house that I'm referring to might be 1,200 square feet. 
versus the properties built in 1920 might be 2,000 square feet. So they're both three-bedroom houses, but one's considerably more work to renovate and repair versus the other. So that's the first thing is I look for properties that are newer. Relatively speaking. Secondly, I have a background as a general contractor and I only purchase distressed properties because that allows us to go and gut the mechanicals, gut the roof, windows, bathrooms, kitchen, and put everything in new. That way I'm not having to be nickel and dime with deferred maintenance as time goes on. We also will only put really the highest quality products in the houses and that throws people off. Like it's just a rental property. Well, for example, you could put a Moen faucet in, which has a lifetime guarantee, or you could get something from Lowe's and Home Depot out of China that's made out of plastic. One's going to last for decades. One's going to last six months. So when you put the extra money into the property, you're not going to get nickel and dime over the years. And then as far as your question, as far as the location, Every area has areas which are just war zones, and I will not go into a war zone. There's no future. There's no hope. The turnover is horrendous. It's just not a good situation. So I like to get into suburbs that are beat up. They're like the outer ring suburbs of Cleveland is where I'm at right now. And I'm able to be in a community that's like a C-minus community possibly, but by the time we go on and we do a full renovation on these properties, they go from the worst houses on the street to the most desirable houses onto the street. So one option for us for years was to run out to subsidize tenants, and it provides extremely stable cash flow. Your sacrifice is your cash flow is going to be a little bit lower than necessarily cash-paying tenants. But as the market improves and what it does in areas, as the market just income and, and households improve, then it'll allow you to start to be able to tap into the higher paying cash tenants as the area improves, which is the transition I'm in right now. So I think you have to know your market cycle where you're at, and you really have to know the market, the economies, and the area that you're in to determine are you in a completely beaten down war zone or an area that's just going through some hard times. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Please do. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at cix.com. At cix.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at cix.com. Best ever book you've read? Oh, wow. There's so many of them. I'm going to start off where my first personal development book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which really opened my eyes to the difference of a liability versus an asset. And that really was what kind of started things off for me. I've read better since then, but that was kind of like the starting point for me. Best ever deal you've done? Oh, a lot of them. <laughs> really, honestly, the last 10 houses I picked up for like four and 5000 each, I would say on par, they were pretty much all the best deals I've ever got. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Teaching and knowledge. I have so many people that I've mentored and have just 
provided my playbook, my handbook, how to do this, where it took me 15 years of mistakes to get to this point. My brother right now has done a second house, a total rehab in two months, and right on budget. I just love being able to mentor and provide those services to others, to be able to have people have a better lifestyle. What's a notable mistake you can think of on a deal that you did? Bending over to pick up nickels while dollars go overhead, meaning trying to save money, but in the end, you're really hemorrhaging out more money than you're saving by trying to do work yourself, by trying to bring in your own crew to do all the work at $10 an hour labor versus getting professional tradesmen in. That's a mistake. Hire the right people to do the job and get it done right because in the long run, it's going to cost you less money and that you have a better quality of life and experience. So pay for it when you need to. Where can the best ever listeners go to get in touch with you? I will give my cell phone, and that's actually, Joe, how I came across you, is in the podcast you had with Michael Blanc. (laughs) I'll never do that again, by the way. I gave out my cell phone three years ago, and he still plays that podcast episode. (laughs) I'm all about people reaching out, but I can't do that anymore. (laughs) Well, at the time of that podcast, you were, I think, like 167 units. Yeah, 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 different. (laughs) Yeah, when I came across the game, you had like 1,500 units. I'm like... I don't think he's going to take my phone call. (laughs) My email address is Patrick Builders, and that's P-E-T-R-I-C-K, Builders with an S at Yahoo.com. What's your cell phone? I didn't want to scare you off. I'll I'll do it. I'll go for it. 440-552-8483. And hopefully I could have your success, Joe, in three, four years and have the same problems. There you go. This is how you get $100 million right here in real estate. You give out your cell phone on podcast. Absolutely. It's a proven technique. Well, Jack, so grateful that we had a conversation. Holy cow. It really interests me about how you are structuring it with your private lenders on buy and holds, where you do the five-year period, 10% interest rate where you pay the principal and the interest and then use other properties and that property to just pay it down. It's just a snowball effect as well as your $30,000 to $40,000 all in price and your very thoughtful approach on why you're going about it this way versus other ways. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. Really enjoyed our conversation and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for your time. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at CIX.com. At CIX.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at CIX.com.